sometimes we're just so busy in our lives that we don't stop and take stock of them. And I hope this book helps people take stock of where you live and what it means to live here, both good and bad. If you like poetry, stay right here. This is Real Fiction. I'm Lori Messing-McGarry. You just heard Catherine Young, Arlington, Virginia's first poet laureate. You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. In challenging times, we need poets. Poetry speaks to joy and grief, social justice, protest, and nature, Poems can illuminate our subconscious, help us feel less alone. A new anthology titled Written in Arlington, edited by poet and translator Catherine Young, was just released. As the holiday season begins with unprecedented isolation, this is a time to reflect on community in all its shades and volumes. And for listeners outside of Metro Washington, D.C., I welcome you to this conversation and hope that you find something that resonates. Because poetry really does speak to the universal. There's something for everyone in this collection. All episodes are archived on realfictionradio.com and your favorite podcast platforms. I'll be back in a moment with poet and translator Catherine Young. My guest today is Catherine Young, a poet, translator, and editor of a new poetry anthology, Written in Arlington. Written in Arlington showcases contemporary poets from and poetry about Arlington, Virginia. The anthology contains the work of 87 poets and translators originally written in four languages. The poets whose work appears in Written in Arlington range from nationally known page poets to spoken word artists, to high school students just beginning to write and perform, as well as a few tourist poets who have written about Arlington while passing through. Joining me to discuss this newly released book is Catherine Young. Catherine is Arlington's first poet laureate, a position she held from 2016 to 2018. Catherine, welcome to Real Fiction. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm delighted to be here. Catherine, before we talk about the book directly, I would like to ask you about your role as Arlington, Virginia's first poet laureate. As I mentioned, you held this from you held this position from 2016 to 2018. Just for listeners who might not know um, what a poet laureate is, especially on the community level, how did you become the poet laureate, and what was your primary pr- primary function when you were holding that position? So there are basically two kinds of poet laureates. In general, there's these two categories. And one of them is for poets who have, you know, written tons and tons of books and are likely in their 80s and an honorific title. And the idea is, you know, that you come and cast your poetic light on whatever required reading or public event or whatever it is. That's not what Arlington chose to do. They chose to do the other model, which is a community-based poet who is uh, required and who is obviously temperamentally suited to doing a lot of public outreach representation. Um, the, the work that I had to do 
when I was poet laureate uh, was to write a couple of poems for specific civic occasions. I wrote a couple for the Columbia Pike uh, Blues Festival. They, uh, you have to officiate at certain public events and you have to do a couple of community engagement programs. I did a lot of those through the Arlington County Public Libraries. And that the idea is to engage, you know, the community with poetry and to make the literary arts accessible and available to a really much bigger audience than, say, the, the, the group of people who would go into a bookstore and buy a book of poetry. You know, when I heard about this book written in Arlington, I was thinking, well, this is fascinating because what does it mean to be an Arlington poet? And what does it mean to be a Chicago poet or a Texas poet? And this is something that you had to tackle. But what, when did you first get the idea that you wanted to write uh, a book that was focused on the poetry tradition that we have in this community? With the startup of the laureate position, there was a lot of creative room um, to just sort of dream big about what we could and couldn't do. Unfortunately, when I was doing the job, um, we went through a series of budget cuts and there was not the position that supported the Port Laureate was cut. And then uh, we had a very limited budget to begin with. So I wasn't able to do a lot of things. But one of those dream big projects was putting together an anthology of Arlington poetry. And honestly, I had no idea what I might get if I did it. Um, there were, a, I know a lot of poets personally who, you know, sort of cycle through Arlington because for years and years, for 23 years, we had the marvelous Iota Poetry Series, which was run by Miles David Moore. Um, so people came from all over the DMV to read poetry in Arlington. So I had this sort of sense that there was a nucleus of poets, but I didn't know outside of that group of self-selected people who would come to Iota, you know, what exactly we had. I had the sense that we had poetry here, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how extensive it was. And the project was was involved enough that it couldn't be done under the auspices of the laureate program. But once I stopped being laureate, I could apply for an individual artist grant from the county, which is what I got. And that's what supported the compilation and then eventually the, you know, the publishing of the thing. For listeners who may not be well-grounded in, in poetry, can you tell us a, a bit about What's the difference between uh, the page poets, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, spoken word poets and spoken word artists? So a lot of people tend to think of poetry as one of those things that you have to pick up a book to read. Um, And a lot of people write for that. Um, They write for what we call writing for the page. And that's a a time-honored tradition in poetry. But in fact, of course, it's not the original tradition of poetry, which is an oral or spoken art. And there's always been a sort of group of people who, who do performance, um, but it's really exploded um, with uh, slams and, and uh, work in many cities. It's a different form of poetry. It's still poetry, but it's, it's based on how you memorize and present your work to a crowd. And it's, it's very much has to do with taking the temperature of the crowd or responding to the crowd. It's a, so it's a performance art as opposed to a written art for a, for a book. And, and the poetry is big enough to encompass all of that and much more. But those communities have in many ways gone in different directions. And one of the interesting things that's been happening the last you know, 10 years or so in the D.C. area is the uh, Split This Rock Festival, which is poetry of witness and uh, provocation and protest. And that's brought together these two different communities. And I think all of us 
who were in the page poetry world, which is sort of where I have my start, are looking at um, the, the incredible energy and the really strong tradition of protest um, that's part of the spoken word community. And I think we're trying to find ways that we can bridge what has been uh, a gap. There are 87 poets represented in this book written in Arlington. And I, I can't imagine how you figured out how to organize this book because it seems quite daunting to me to create um, a work like this and feel like you've represented geography, symbols, people. So when I started collecting the poems, I knew of exactly four poems about Arlington. Uh, I had written three of them as laureate, and the fourth was Miles David Moore's um, I Love Barbie T, uh, Barbie Taylor. And uh, that's about a uh, some graffiti that used to be down on a bridge by 395. And I really, mm. I mean, I, I knew that there were all these poets that we had in Arlington, but I didn't know that they had created work about Arlington. So I sent out a call and um, I was astonished uh, by the, the the variety, the diversity, the richness of the poems that came in. Now, I did also um, look for I had great help from Kim Roberts, who is, as many people know, is a literary historian and poet herself, but she is, is well known for her work on tracing and preserving the work of the poets of D.C. in general. But before she did that, she was the person in Arlington who worked in the Cultural Affairs Division and really got some of the programs that we have here to, uh, dedicated to poetry started. So, so of course, that was the right person um, to talk to about the history of Arlington poetry. So with some guidance and talking to people, I had a long, long list of poets who had lived here, you know, going back even, going back to the um, 19th century. But in in looking at what was coming in from the solicitation, I realized pretty quickly that it didn't make sense to do a historical um, anthology, you know, going back all that time, because we weren't going to get the best stuff. The best stuff was what we had now. And um, I did look for poets who were no longer with us, whose voices still resonated, and there are some of those in the book. Uh, John Ellsberg, uh, Hillary Tom, several other people, Carol Heller Nation, who was not a, you know, a quote unquote professional poet. I don't know how much she published, but she published this one wonderful poem um, about um, the rain falling on Lee Highway at night that's made it into the book. So I had so I had some voices in my head that I knew to look for. But then I just kept reading. And the really cool thing, I, I had worked on anthologies before as a translator, as an editor, but I'd never done the compiling. And so these poems came in and I could just listen to them and let them, they almost began to talk to each other. They were poems about neighborhoods. There was a, a selection of poems about Westover. They all seemed to talk to each other. There were poems about the river. That was important. And that seemed like to start when European settlers came to this area, they came up the river and they found people living on the riverbanks. I mean, there's, we know that there's been poetry in Virginia and back and back as far as at least 1612, because one of the first Europeans uh, came up the river recorded native uh, indigenous poetry in the language that was spoken at the time. So we know there's been this tradition that predated even Europeans here. But so they were, they, they just kind of naturally sorted themselves. They spoke to one another. Um, and I, I wanted very much to represent, shall we say, a broader spectrum of the Arlington experience than, say, maybe traditional page poets. And so what we, you know, I looked for high school poets. I looked for performance poets. I looked beyond the universities and the schools, though. I wanted community voices, and I was really happy to get a number of people who have nothing to do with universities and have nothing to do with page poetry. 
Yeah, you know, when I heard about this book, Catherine, I kept thinking, wow, I wonder if other communities have done something like this. Um, but this is such a rich um, compilation of poetry, and every aspect of this book is local. There is a poem titled Hillbilly Music, which I, I really loved, and that happened to be written by Richard Peabody, who is the publisher at Paycock Press and Gargoyle Magazine, and he published and printed this book. Richard was actually born here, and um, this poem is sort of a, is not only a, a sort of story about his dad, and but it's also a story, I think, about the IOTA reading series. I haven't asked him about that, but I think it is. It's listening to a poet read apparently pretty badly and reflecting back on the death of his father and the sort of continuation of loneliness and blues and sort of that, I, I mean, I think people who are recent transplants to Arlington think of Arlington as a fairly cosmopolitan place, you know, just on the outskirts of Washington, a place where, um, you know, everything is bustling and new. And of course, that's not, I mean, that is, that is in Arlington, but, but the poems in this book and this poem in particular also speak to our past, you know, honky tonks. We were the original place of sin across the river from DC. People would come to Roslyn to, to behave badly. So this poem is particularly rich in hearkening back to our historic roots as a community sort of on the edge. There was a lot of grit, which was really special about the IOTA building and the IOTA, just the whole IOTA experience of the bar and grill, which was such a wonderful place. And the poetry series that went there, it was not a polished urban slick thing. It was, it was real. And often, of course, we would get hustled off the stage at the end of the evening. I'm talking about the poets because there was a band coming in um, to play, you know, all kinds of music. Right. And I'm so glad you mentioned Iota in more detail because there is a poem in the book called Weird Arlington, which really speaks to everything you just said, written by Donald Illich. And he mentions Iota. Um, and, and his poem is really about mourning the loss of that poetry series. I think if I'm remembering correctly, he, he the, well, the poem is about living outside of Arlington, but traveling to Arlington specifically to go to that very unique community of poets that met regularly. So that poem, uh, I think, is just sums up exactly uh, the community of people who came from all over the DMV to listen to poetry at Arlington. And of course, there was a time not too long ago, I mean, within living memory, when we could count the number of poetry venues in this area Maybe not on the fingers of two hands, but you know, in the in the dozens or so. And now, of course, it's just exploded. But I did a count roughly 2006, and I think there were about 50 venues that had regular poetry series. And Iota was one of the strong ones. It had been it it ran 23 years. Uh, nationally known poets came through, um, but for many people, including poets who have become nationally known, um, it was their start. So it provided a, a really good place on a really nice stage with an excellent microphone to, you know, try out this poetry life, this performance thing. And I should say, you know, not all poets are very good at reading their work, um, which was something that uh, Richard's poem alluded to. Um, so getting practice and having the ability to, you know, to work out your stuff in front of a crowd, um, that was a really important safe space for uh, up and coming poets, as well as visiting poets who, you know, were willing to share. Um, and of course, it, it was a it was a bar. And so there was plenty of bar stuff going on as well. Um, in right. the background. Uh, so it was kind of the perfect play I mean, poets and, and drink, you know, they they pretty much go together. 
They go together, right? They go <laughs> hand in glove. Um, you know, another poem I wanted to ask you about, Catherine, is um, Carol Heller Nation's poem, Neon Rain at Midnight. I, okay, I love this poem for so many reasons. Um, I pass the pawn shop that's on uh, at the intersection that she mentions in the in the poem. And the way she writes it, just forces the reader to look at it in kind of fresh light. So, and I think that happens with a lot of the poems. What we have in our mind is something familiar and then this, this beautiful poet has taken the liberty with this lush language to reinterpret what we see every day. And I wondered if you could talk about that poem for a moment. I will, but I was wondering if I ought to read it. I would love to have you read that poem. Okay. So the reason I'm reading is I actually did talk about her a little bit earlier. I just didn't mention her name. Um, this Kara Heller, Heller Nation is a woman who worked for some years in Arlington County. I believe she even worked in the manager's office, but she would not call herself a quote unquote professional poet. Um, and this is the only work that I have of hers. And then I, I asked Kim Roberts because she worked with Kim Roberts. Um, did Kim have more work? And Kim also did not have more work. I've been in touch with Carol's son, mm who was her literary heir. And he says there were boxes of her work, but I don't think anything has been done with those boxes. So this poem is, you know, really amazing and special. It appeared in a tiny, tiny little book um, that Kim Roberts produced when she was at the Arlington County um, Cultural Affairs Division. And it was called uh, Lee Highway Beyond Pavement. And there were four little poems in there about Lee Highway. And this is one of them. So it's called Neon Rain at Midnight by Carol Heller Nation. My favorite intersection on rainy nights is Lee Highway at Spout Run Drive, where blooming Bradford pear trees glow ghost-like under streetlights as the road plunges into midnight. And neon lights on the corner pawn shop splash images of blue and rose guitars across shimmering wet black pavement to the rhythmic flash of traffic lights in bursts of red and green and gold. As the drugstore's open all night sign beckons in red beyond the parking lot, empty save a solitary police cruiser and rainbow colored pothole puddles pretty as a painting on black velvet. I can't tell you how many times I've passed the pawn shop and thought, why is that there? It doesn't fit. But then, you know, you kind of get used to something like that, and it would be strange if it weren't suddenly there. But what she has done in the poem is made me look at it in new light, very beautiful light. And I think that's something that's kind of special for a reader reading a collection of poems that represent the community in which we live. My guest today is Catherine Young. She was the first poet laureate in Arlington, Virginia. This was a position that she held from 2016 and 2000 to 2018. And the poetry anthology is titled Written in Arlington, and it's absolutely a treasure. And I think it would make a wonderful gift book this holiday season. It's also special because we're moving into the holiday season and at a time when we're being told to stay home and not commune with family. So it's it's an opportunity to read poems and rem- remind ourselves that we live in a community. Catherine, what is your hope for this book? 
Well, I think you've just pretty much encapsulated it. I mean, we this book was planned long before COVID, but it is the perfect book for this time because we're being told we need to stay away from people. We're being told to you know, stay in our houses and not go out and not do the things that make a community a community, which is joining together um, in public space. And this book, it does something of that. It gives you something of what we are as a community. You know, for, for many years, when I moved here in the 80s, people talked about Arlington like a bedroom community, like it had no history, like it had, you know, no no past. And that's probably my own ignorance for not asking the right people, because there are plenty of people here who know our history. And some of the poems in the book tell the story of segregation, for example. They tell the story of uh, burial grounds for enslaved people that have since been, you know, built over. They tell the story of Our Lady Queen of Peace Church, which is down in the Green Valley neighborhood, um, which has evolved a great deal over the years. They tell they tell us where we come from. And we don't come from an anonymous suburb. We come from a community where there have been people here since since a person has recorded people, right? I mean since since the, right. the Europeans came up the, the Potomac in sixteen you know in sixteen whatever it was. So it's a sense of, I hope in any case, that people feel uh, after they read this book, oh, the pink house, oh, Ayers Hardware, oh, Iota, long gone, oh, you know, these these things that give us not just, they, they aren't just background, they are our community, they are us, they are in us, and we are in them. But sometimes we're just so busy in our lives that we don't stop and take stock of them. And I hope this book helps people take stock of where you live and what it means to live here, both good and bad, in all its richness. I think that's such an important point. And I actually hope that this, a a book like this written in Arlington would be held up as an example for other communities to think about recording and documenting their their towns and villages and suburbs in in an anthology like this, because it's a very richly textured work. And I would like to ask you about your own poetry life. You're a passionate advocate for poets and this art form. Do you remember writing your first poems? How old were you and what were the poems about? My mom says I was three and the book, the poem was about snow, my first poem. Hmm. Um, I went off though and did some other things. I was always writing um, and I didn't come back to it until, seriously, until I was in my 30s and living in Russia at the time and studying Russian poetry with someone there. And all of a sudden, the work that I had been doing sort of casually began to kind of click together. I'm I'm really happy to say, by the way, there is a poem in this book um, written by uh, Mikhail Nemtsev, who was a um, he is a Russian from Siberia, and they lived here for a couple of years, and he wrote this marvelous poem, which is the title poem written in Arlington, and uh, I was able to translate it for the book. So um, I feel like there's a kind of joining of, of roads there. Two streams of your life coming together here. You know, I'm also interested in what works of literature and bodies of poetry most influenced you when you were starting out in this form. You know, we are all so much indebted and sometimes uh, and not in good ways to our teachers. Um, I was really lucky that I was in, uh, took a course in college on American poets of the, of the 20th century at the time. And we spent a lot of time with Elizabeth Bishop. And I, I feel like Elizabeth Bishop is, you know, sort of my touchstone in American poetry. But honestly, 
most of my poetry knowledge doesn't come from American poetry. I can't say that I'm particularly influenced by Walt Whitman. Um, I do love Emily Dickinson, but I can't say that I'm all that influenced by her either. Most of my influences come from Russian poetry, and that just happens to be because that's the time in my life when poetry sort of awoke uh, in a much more conscious way. And I was living in Russia. I was working with a teacher who didn't speak any English. So we were discussing everything in Russian. And I was, when you learn something in a different language, when you're working in a language that's not your native language, uh, you have to pay attention in a different way. I began to hear English differently because of mm. all the work I was doing in Russian. But because because Russian poetry is so incredibly musical, the work that I was doing to listen to those poets, what they were trying to say was really important to me. Um, there's a contemporary Russian poet, Ina Kabush, who I've translated a lot. Um, I hear her voice in my head a lot. She's a formal poet, um, and my work tends to be more, uh, it's not um, so much traditional sonnets, as maybe modern sonnets, um, but I, I tend to pay more attention to at least slant rhyme and meter than, um, say, a number of poets of my generation, um, just because that's where my background is. Um, I'm always hearing those Russian voices in my head. I knew that I would get an interesting answer from a question like that because I knew that you had written, in, uh, worked in and studied Russian, but that's, that's a really fascinating way to think about how you approach poetry in English and write and edit. And I want to ask you about what you're working on now. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you have a book of poems coming out in 2021. Can you tell us something about that and maybe what you're working on now? I do. This, uh, it's a collection called Woman Drinking Absinthe. It's coming out from Allen Square Publishing in uh, March of 2021. That book is kind of an interesting book because it's uh, the, the last book I did was called uh, Day of the Border Guards, and all of those poems were set in Russia and the former Soviet Union. And this book is ostensibly not that at all. In fact, if it if we could call it a setting, it, it, it sort of shifts through time and space in a lot of ways. But, but if we had to say, where is the book located, I would probably say Paris in 1890, um, you know, in the cafes where people are drinking absinthe and despairing, uh, in some cases, um, the sort of demi monde and, and um, the world of Japanese prints and post, post-impressionism, all that sort of thing. But you know what? There is a performing bear in there. There is Marina Tsvetaeva, the great Russian poet, has managed to get herself into one of the poems um, Pushkin's Golden Fish, The Tale of the Fisherman and the Golden Fish, that gets into the poems. Uh, there's a tsarina in one of the poems. So the, the further I think I've gone from Russian, uh, I seem to keep going back there. <laughs> the um, Russians showed up in Paris as well. <laughs> yeah, that is I true. love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, my guest today is Catherine Young. She is a poet, and she was, in fact, Arlington, Virginia's first poet laureate. She held this position from 2016 to 2018. She has compiled an absolute treasure of a poetry anthology. It's called Written in Arlington. Well, Catherine, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on Real Fiction today. It's been delightful hearing directly from you about this new wonderful poetry anthology. Thank you so much, Laurie. It's been a great pleasure. You've been listening to Real Fiction on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. 
written in Arlington is available where books are sold. You can do a great service for books with small print runs by purchasing directly from the publisher or an independent bookstore. To find out more about Catherine Young's work and this poetry collection, you can check out her poetry website. You can also go to realfictionradio.com where all episodes are archived. And you can also find us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for listening.